Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Mr. Fryer, let's duck, duck, go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Last month when I had Ryan Poles on the show, I asked him, I implored him to be more open, to be more present, to be someone that people didn't have to hide or or to try to find because he's hiding and that it helps to sell the vision to the fan base and they are willing to give you more grace if they understand where you're coming from. I've been pleasantly surprised that he and his staff have been open to giving us a window into what it is that they're thinking. Nothing is a better example of that than the piece that Dan Pompey did for The Athletic. It's really good. And and it it gives you an intimate look into Ian Cunningham, who's the assistant GM, and Ryan Poles, why they work together, where they're the same, where they're different. I implore every Bears fan to seek it out and read it. Luckily, I have access to Dan himself. He joins me now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. (laughs) Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He's one of our analysts here. He's also a writer for The Athletic. Get yourself a subscription. And he's a Hall of Fame football writer. He's in the room when they make the decisions. Dan Pompey now joins me here on The Score. Hey, Dan. Lawrence, good to be with you today. How's everything? Everything is great. It's great to be with you as well. I love the piece on Ian Cunningham, and it it takes you in a lot of different twists and turns. What made you say, I, I want to focus on him to do a piece? Well, I thought he was a really significant kind of overlooked guy in the Bears' new regime. You know, of course, all the focus is on Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles, understandably so. Uh, But you're talking about a guy in Cunningham who is fulfilling a role, really, that the Bears have probably never had as an assistant general manager, a true uh, right hand to the GM and uh, someone who is going to be, I think, intimately involved in every decision that is made at Hallis Hall. And he comes uh, to the Bears with a really interesting background with uh, uh, some real experience 
that I think will be beneficial having worked uh, both in Baltimore and Philadelphia for uh, a couple of regimes that uh, have had success. He's got, he's got two Super Bowl rings, and that you know, says something to the type of learning he's been exposed to. How do he and, and polls mirror each other? And it seems like they literally mirror each other in a lot of people's minds in the NFL. Yeah, well, it starts out, you know, they're both former offensive linemen. Uh, neither one was really good enough to make it in the NFL. They both kind of uh, had a brief cup of coffee and never played a game. And uh, they, they both had this desire to kind of head down the scouting path, which is not always common. You know, sometimes guys fall into that. Sometimes they try coaching first and that doesn't work and they go into scouting. But these guys knew they wanted to be scouts and uh, they ended up uh, both kind of on a pretty fast track. Poles obviously was in the Kansas City organization, uh, learning from, you know, Scott Pioli and uh, Phil Emery a little bit, John Dorsey, and, and, and now uh, Brett Veach. Uh, so obviously he was exposed to some really uh, interesting philosophies and, and team building ways, uh, as well as, as Ian, who, as I said, went to Baltimore and then to, to uh, Philadelphia. And... Um, you know, uh, they met on the road at uh, Oklahoma when they were there for a scouting campus visit, and uh, they started talking, and it, they, they found out that they see a lot of things the same way, and they like to have conversations about every aspect of team building, and they challenge each other, and they go back and forth uh, on different things, and, and uh, it's a very healthy relationship because I think, uh, uh, you know, they're not afraid to butt heads on things, and they also uh, have a comfort level with, with each other that enables them to do that. There's some value in the diversifying of experience and thought, and one of my concerns about polls is how much time he spent with Kansas City. Now, he he made me feel a lot better than that in, in the opening press conference in the way that he talked about trying to draw from other sports and talking to people who work in baseball and basketball trying to figure out if there are elements of, of ways to figure out winning in the NFL. I love the background that Cunningham has, as you pointed out. You're with two winning organizations. And for the, for the Eagles, like at the perfect time for him to be in Philadelphia, I, I know that the template is we can't ask someone to always have a diversified skill set and work at different places but I do think there's some value to seeing how multiple organizations work. Well, there is. And, you know, in defense of polls, he was with different regimes in Kansas City. True. So it's, it's not like he just worked for one guy and was only exposed to one way of doing things. Uh, but I think the other thing is they're both really young, you know, for, for better or worse. You know, um, they, they haven't uh, been around long enough to make a lot of mistakes and learn from mistakes. But they also have, I think, a fresh youthful way of looking at things and they are unafraid uh you know to to really try things and to just kind of jump off the cliff and see where that goes so uh, it's going to be an interesting uh couple of years with with polls and cunningham and matt eberflus what's what struck you about polls now that you've had an opportunity to not just talk to him but to talk to other people about him uh, about polls or Cunningham? about, about polls well you know um I think he's a real thoughtful guy, and I think um, he's a guy, you know, he's, he's a serious guy, and he, he really takes his time in making an evaluation. 
and he considers a lot of different factors. And, um, you know, he, he's a guy who really believes in, in doing the homework and doing it the right way. And he's very committed uh, to his job. And, um, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think he's very interesting. I know there's a number of people uh, in the league whose opinions I respect who think very highly of him. Dan Pompey joining me here on The Score. You should read his piece on Ian Cunningham that is up and available for you at The Athletic. As I'm reading the, the story and I'm seeing all of the different places that Ian Cunningham is drawn from throughout his life, it, it started to read almost like Forrest Gump. We're like, <laughs> oh, he's in this place at this time, in this place at this time. And I was, I was blown away and didn't know the connection to Arthur Ashe. So for people who haven't read the piece, what's his connection to Arthur Ashe and why does that still drive him today? Well, Arthur Ashe is his second cousin. He and his, uh, Arthur and Ian's father, Lewis, were first cousins. And uh, Lewis also considered him a best friend and a role model. And they spent a lot of time together, both uh, early in their lives and, and late in Arthur's life before he passed away. And uh, Arthur had a profound impact on the way Lewis thought. And Lewis, therefore, passed those things along to his only son, Ian. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Ian, I think, um, you know, understands the significance of being uh, an African-American general manager at the age of 36, or assistant general manager, I should say, at the age of 36 in the National Football League. There's not many people in, in his type of position. And, uh, you know, I, I think Arthur Ashe obviously was a, a man who opened doors for people and, you know, helped change the thinking uh, in the country, if, if not the world. Uh, a guy who was dis- discriminated against early in his life and overcame a lot. Obviously uh, befriended Nelson Mandela and uh, became a, a early crusader for social justice. And, and uh, I think Yates gets all that. You know, he's got a worldview. He's not just uh, looking at things with narrow vision. I think um, that's, that's an important part of who he is and his story. And, and you mentioned the name Yates. Why is that important? Well, that is, you know, if, if you Google him and you look at some of the stories about him when he was a football player at Virginia, you'll see he's referred to as Ian Dash Yates Cunningham. So that really w- was the name that he went by early in his life and his given name. And his father gave him that name because it has a special meaning. Yates means he who opens gates. It's pretty awesome stuff, man. I, I really enjoyed the piece and seeing where these two men, like they draw from different places. My hope is that it ends up turning into winning football for, for the Bears. Do they ever worry that their backgrounds are so similar that they may cancel each other out because they <laughs> see the, the world so similarly? Well, you know, I didn't get that from them. I think that um, I, I think they still have healthy differences of opinions. And I also think that their intent is to, you know, draw on the opinions of everybody around them, too. You know, that's important, too. Sometimes I think when you've got two strong personalities like this who are kind of clumped together at the top of a depth chart, there's a temptation to freeze out everybody else. And uh, I think it, it's important and it will determine 
how successful they are uh, if, if they can draw in a lot of the you know opinions and, and uh, abilities of the staff around them and you know they've, they've got some some really good people on that staff some some holdovers and some new people they've hired as well how did you view what happened with Larry Ogunjobi well you know I, I mean I guess on one hand you wonder if they could have avoided it you know by doing more homework ahead of time uh, but on the other hand I think it's a good thing that they caught it when they did and they understood what they were, were purchasing. You know, I, I think that's uh, part of the, you know, the benefit of having that period of, of uh, where you're, you're not signing guys, you're, you're agreeing to terms. And then, you know, you have a little window of opportunity to uh, make sure that the player is, is uh, as healthy. Of course, even if it was during the free agency period, he still would have had to pass a physical. Uh, so, I mean, it, Obviously, it was I know Ryan uh, Poles told me it was, it was just a, a terrible, you know, gut-wrenching experience for him because it was so emotional for Larry. Um, you know, you could imagine what he went through, being, uh, you know, on, on the doorstep of life-changing money, generational wealth, and then having it pulled out away from you. And, and you know, it, it was diff very difficult for Ryan too, especially given. You know, this was his first big splash as general manager of the Bears. So, um, you know, I, I think um, I don't know that there is something to be learned or gained from that, but I'm sure that uh, Ryan will examine it. I know he will and, and see if there is something that, that he can take away from it. I appreciated that they were uh, transparent about it, that they, they told you that we really like the player. We were going to sign this player, but we can't. And. I'm glad because it, it, it was refreshing that here's someone like owning up to a mistake publicly. And, and it was something that I looked at and I said, that's a good thing. Like that's a, you let the fan base know kind of what happened with obviously like you want to spin it to be the most positive thing. But to me, it's pretty simple. We, we like this player. They didn't pass our physical. So we can't sign this player for this amount. And that's good. Instead of going forward and saying, well, the player will be all right by October or November or whatever. And, and then going ahead with the deal, knowing that a guy is not going to be healthy enough to help you right away. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, the thing that, that Ryan mentioned to me was that, you know, we just had to do what was best for the Chicago Bears. And, you know, that's, that makes sense. You really, uh, as much as you would like to save face or, you know, kind of cross your fingers and hope that, Ogunjobi would have been able to, uh, you know, get, get healthy and stay healthy. Um, it, it was determined by people who know more about the situation than he does, you know, the medical staff, that uh, it was not a risk that was prudent. And um, because of that, you know, he, he's entrusted uh, by George McCaskey and the Bears organization with doing the right thing. Uh, to protect that organization at all times. And, you know, that's what a general manager has to do, and that's what he did. I want to ask you kind of a, a big-picture question, and we're talking with Dan Pompey, wrote a great piece on Ian Cunningham in The Athletic. You and I both talk to a lot of ex-players, and, and they want to be involved in football. I'm wondering if the route of working in a front office might be an easier route for players of color to rise in the league than the coaching ranks are? Interesting question. Uh, 
And I guess I'm not sure what the answer is. Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, there are opportunities in both areas. Um, you know, I think, I think the important thing, though, is that, you know, the, the person follows his passion. And, you know, uh, a lot of times, you, you know, you will have a passion for one or the other, but mm-hmm. not both. So if, if you're not following your passion, chances are you're not going to climb that ladder because you're not going to be as good as you could be, you know, if, if you were following that passion. So um, I, I don't know that I would look at it that way, like, you know, this is my only chance or this is the way I have to go as much as, you know, what's your dream, make it happen. I, I had a conversation with K.J. Wright yesterday, and he brought up that, like, his long-term goal was – working in the front office. And I was really happy to hear that because a lot of guys maybe don't even know what they want to do after they're done, but hearing the front office and like leadership, I like that. And I, I think there are a lot of smart guys that are out there that that might be the way, but I think you're right too, Dan. I think that the idea is if, if you are someone that is a little bit more hands-on and you want to be closer to the football, then you have to follow that instead of, knowing that you have to be on the road for most of your the next 10 years as you're trying to make it. Yeah. And, you know, the thing, the interesting thing about, uh, you know, the front office route too, is that, you know, we see a lot of changes and obviously, you know, we've seen some uh, front office hires of minorities uh, in the last couple of years, more so than we've seen at the top level of the coaching profession. Um, but, you know, the other thing about the front office you see is that, you know, guys get a couple of years if they don't succeed, you know, maybe more than that. Maybe they get three or four, whatever they get. Um, you know, oftentimes they, after that, they fall off the cliff and then, you know, that's, that's the end of them. Uh, whereas with, with coaching, you know, I, I think there's more viability to kind of, you know, keep going and get second chances and third chances and, and, you know, find yourself, um, you know, reinvented, uh, so to speak. And, uh, you know, there, there's, there's different ways of kind of rising up or rising up again as a coach where the uh, scouting route, front office route so far, I think it's been a pretty uh, linear path up and then, and then it just it falls off. As always, Dan, it's a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Okay, thanks very much, Lawrence. Enjoyed it. That's Dan Pompey. Read his piece on Ian Cunningham. It's really good. While I was doing the interview, I got a text from from an NFL person. It was like, Ian Cunningham won't be here long. And I said, because he'll be a GM. And this person said, yes, that's what his rep is, is big in the business. So maybe you are only getting him for, for one year. Hopefully they can make some stuff happen. Speaking of which, and I brought up KJ Wright. The, the veteran linebacker was on the show yesterday. I want to play this for you. Yesterday, we asked him a lot of stuff. He was in the open because I asked him the questions about Russell. But K.J. Wright was playing for Vegas last year against Justin Fields. That was a game the Bears won, and Fields won. They didn't ask him to do a lot in that game. But they won the game 20-9. to Here's what he said about Justin Fields and what he thinks of him. Justin Fields, you can tell, has all the tools 
to be successful. I, I love his deep ball. I love his the way that when the play breaks down, he's not afraid to take off running. And so you could tell that they, they reached up and got him in the draft for a reason. And so I love his confidence and um, love his demeanor. Like when he's out on the football field, he doesn't get too rattled, as you can tell. And so I just feel like he's got to take the next step. Uh, the offensive coordinator that came in, opened up the playbook a little more for him. They kind of held him back a little bit in his rookie year, as they should have. Opened the playbook a little more. Keep adding some weapons that he can get their ball to in the tight end position and the, the wide receiver position. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing him taking that next step to being a better quarterback next year. Yeah, I, I, everyone in Chicago really would like to see him su- succeed, obviously, especially on, on the rookie deal so there can be money spent around him. What's the biggest thing that young quarterbacks need to learn from from your vantage point as a linebacker? What are the things that you feel like they need to learn if they're going to grow? I believe what quarterbacks really messed up on earlier in the years is taking take take what the defense give you. A lot of guys, a lot of guys try to force it in there. If it's not down, don't be afraid to to throw that check down because that's really frustrating for a defense. If you just get those four or five yard checkdowns and then keep those drives alive, then that starts to open up the um, the offense. Then those linebackers start trying to jump short. Then you just get what you want. And so just just being smart with the ball. I know Coach Carroll preached to Russell early in the year: no turnovers, we, no turnovers. Just just be smart with it. Give let the defense, you know, help you out. Let the run game help you out. Don't try to feel like you have to do it all by yourself. And so Justin, you know, with a new offensive coordinator coming in. Hopefully he can learn that from him. We shall see what Justin Fields picks up. But it was cool to have someone who played against him talk about him and and help us to try and understand what a young quarterback is going through. We take a break. I was disheartened by a lot of the basketball that I consumed over the weekend. Not just the Bulls getting 30-piece by Phoenix, but college basketball. I had a great conversation, and I it, it – sparked some stuff that I wanted to discuss going into this week's games of the NCAA tournament. I'll share that with you next here on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. 
in Odyssey Station. You can't just flush it. I mean, it's happened too many times. You know, you got to learn from it. Um, and it really is on the road for us. You know, I feel like at home we play um, at least my my last two games, you know, that I've been back, Cleveland game and, and Toronto. Those have been I mean, the only two good games we've played over the last couple of weeks, a uh, week and a half. Um, it's just something about being on the road where we got to lock in and get get better. You know, we, we have to have a different mindset going on the road, you know, especially when shots aren't going in um, on a back to back playing against the, the you know, reigning champs. You got to you got to know what you're in for. I would have thought that the Bulls would have known what they were in for, considering, that you know, it's not really a secret. The schedule softens like a little bit for the Bulls over the next few days. They've got New Orleans, who's actually kind of been playing better. Then Cleveland, who is trying to usurp the fifth spot from you. And then the Knicks, we're just whatever. Taj is out there guarding Trey Young for some strange reason and getting crossed over badly. So there's some opportunities for some wins for the Bulls in this stretch of games. But my goodness, seeing them play last night, like it was really frustrating. I'm just let me just look ahead to the next set of games. Oh, that's not fun. I shouldn't have done that. Brandon, I should not have done that. Because after they're done with Washington, you know who the next four games are? Go ahead. Clippers, who play good defense. Miami. Milwaukee. Boston. Charlotte fighting for their lives. And then Minnesota. So you still saying, like, playing most likely? I think that they'll have enough to not end up in the play-in, but there's going to be a rough stretch in there at the end that's going to make it tense. Yes, Rick Camp? Do you know what team in the Western Conference has the best net rating since the All-Star break? Is it the Minnesota Timberwolves? It is. Yeah. So that's a wrap your season when you could have things on the line? They could straight up lose four out of five to end the season. Hope they get fat off of these wins. Also, the I'm Fat podcast is something you should always check out. Rick Camp is one of the people who hosts it. College basketball was frustrating me, too, over the weekend. I've watched a lot of games up close. In a former life, I did play-by-play. Occasionally, I do. I, I've seen a lot of venues, which is how Top 5 started, because I was talking about you don't even know this, do you, Brandon? That's how Top 5 started because I was joking about places. I, I think it was because I said I'd never go back to West Virginia ever, ever, ever. And I was talking about all the different places where I've called games, and it's at the bottom of the list. And I was like, well, what if I did the top of the list? That's how Top 5 started. We had some fun with it. But I, I really have enjoyed – calling games for DePaul, even though DePaul was losing a vast majority of those games I was calling because it gave me vantage points. I was able to hear huddles, hear what coaches were saying in huddles. I was able to watch practices, all sorts of stuff. That's given me a, a better sense of what's going on inside games. I also love basketball, which is 
people may not assume because I love baseball. It's my my heart, and I covered football. Watching the NCAA tournament last weekend drove me insane. It was so difficult to watch teams that looked like they were not prepared for situations that they were in late in games. Simple stuff like you don't inbound the ball to a player running towards the baseline and the corner because that player's then going to get trapped, which is exactly what the defense wanted you to do. Or on the offensive side, you're down a couple of possessions. You're down five or six or maybe even seven. And you're doing dribble handoff nonsense that's taking the guy who receives the dribble handoff wide so he's literally going farther away from the basket when there's 30 seconds left in the game. Luckily, I got to talk with Steven Bardo, who his, he was a point guard when he was playing for the Flying Illini and, and for a while in the NBA. He covers college basketball. He's doing games. I asked him about why the basketball was so bad. Like, what, why are we seeing players make mistakes like this? This is what he told me. Coming from the NBA, guys like Kelvin Sampson, uh, Jawan Howard, I believe have an advantage. And here's, here's what I mean by that. They empower their guys to make plays. Okay, I'm going to give you this structure. I'm going to give you this approach. But if you see something and you can be instinctive and make a play to get us a bucket, break the play. You know, go one-on-one if you see an opportunity. Throw it here where the defense isn't and make something happen. And so I think what you're seeing and what you're appreciating are coaches that are empowering players. I don't I still don't think there are enough college players or coaches rather that will empower their players to make plays. It's still very controlled in my opinion, and I think that's where you start to see some of the, the teams that struggle when somebody throws an adjustment at them that oh man, you know, like their brain kind of short circuits because all right, well we have this approach against a matchup zone, but it's not working. So now we're stuck because it's not working, but yet I'm a player. I got to this level because I can make plays. Let me figure out how I can make a play and let me find the mismatch or the softness in this matchup zone to attack that area, regardless of what the coach says, because if you're having success on the court, the coach is going to go whatever the players are doing. So I think some of that is what you're seeing. College hoops coverage on the score is presented by Samuel Adams, wicked hazy. I also think that coaches aren't going through this enough. And maybe it's a matter of not having enough time in the day, but it really does feel like players don't know what to do in these situations. They haven't drilled it enough that people look comfortable. The old trope about the NCAA tournament is Your team wins if you've got veteran guards. Here's where that trope becomes real. If you do have veteran guards that have played a bunch of games, they've seen, oh, this team is down, and they're desperate, and they're hungry, they're going to to full court process, and they're going to try and trap. They're going to try to take the ball out of the playmaker's hands or the point guard's hands or whomever. But watching the games, and watch for it this week with 
a week to prepare, it's it's definitely more difficult to do in a tournament setting because the turnaround is so fast. Your coaching staff is probably is is for sure prepping for two different teams. And then you got to throw one of those preps away when that team loses. So it's hard to turn that around in 48 hours. I get that. But I felt like I was watching a bunch of young players who had no idea that things could go badly for them. That the game could change, that they weren't going to be working in optimum situations. And they got exposed. A lot of teams that I was rooting for Alabama, obviously. Watching Notre Dame dismantle them was amazing. And yes, one of Alabama's star players got hurt. But they dismantled Alabama because Alabama wasn't ready for things that they saw defensively. Jawan Howard, I think, has done an incredible job in this tournament coaching. And what I mean is looking at what's happening in the game and saying we can take advantage of that. Michigan did it against Colorado State, and they did it against Tennessee. Tennessee team is more talented than that Michigan squad. And the same thing that they did to Colorado State was, all right, we've been playing you man-to-man, and we've been getting beat on the talent front. What if we did a matchup zone? What would happen to you then? And both teams showed us exactly what would happen then. Their guards are going to panic and miss shots. Not know where the hole in the zone is. Not know how to move the ball against the zone. If you go back and look at the the Michigan-Tennessee game, you're going to see the the Tennessee guards be like, wait, what's going on? And no one's there to help them. Rick Barnes wasn't there to help them. And I know that that's kind of a theme with Rick Barnes and his career. But no one was there to help them, and they just looked completely out of sorts. Colorado State, same thing. Colorado State was rolling. I mean, the first half of the day, were rolling in that game. And then Juwan was like, what if we threw a zone against them? And Colorado State was like, ah! And from the last two minutes of the first half through the end of the game, they never recovered. We often like to talk about the concept of great coaches and these legendary coaches that are out here, like, doing the thing. They all could use a a, a taste of perhaps going over some of the, I hate to say this word because I sound like an, an old fart, fundamentals. Some of this stuff should be drilled into the players that are out there I don't think the coaches have done a particularly good job of it. If you want to get all the accolades for being a genius or some sort of of savant when it comes to the game, your players shouldn't pay. Like, what happened to North Carolina? North Carolina! What happened to them against Baylor? Huber Davis should know better. He played the position. What's a team down 25 points going to do? They're going to press the bejesus out of you. And the North Carolina guards were like, um, 
Uh, I've never seen this before. Also, I'm a little uncomfortable calling that guy Leaky Black. But that's a whole nother story for another day. Maybe we call him Chalky White. R.I.P. But watch for it this week. What happens to teams when they are put in duress by the other team's strategy? And it will tell you who's coached and who hasn't. College Hoops coverage on the score is presented by Samuel Adams, Wicked Hazy. Back after this on the score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I walked out of here yesterday to the news that Layla had gotten the gig over at Channel 5, and I was, like, ecstatic, like, so happy that she's going to be the lead sports anchor over at NBC5. And it's a a moment where she gets to trailblaze a little bit, too, by becoming the, the first woman to, to be named to that spot. And it, it couldn't happen to... A better journalist, capital J, or a nicer person in Layla. We've been really lucky for the last 15 months to have her here. And we're even more lucky that she's going to stick around and still do some work with Dan on Wednesdays. Like Layla Wednesdays. It continues to go on here. In celebration of that, and I know there are some people who didn't know. When Keep in mind that when you hit people up on Twitter or Instagram and you're tagging them. That there is a person on the end, on the other end of that tag that you're doing. And I think that if you want to tag Layla and congratulate her on this incredible accomplishment, I think that that's more than appropriate. Where I get frustrated and quite honestly a little angry is when people try to diminish it or try to add other people's names to it or try to brighten someone else's candle by trying to blow out Layla's. I don't like that at all. She's worked too damn hard and has been through too much to have anyone try and diminish what she's done. So I'll just say that I'm really proud that I've been in two different places and been able to call her teammate. Channel 5 is a wonderful place run by some wonderful people. She's going to do great there. And I know that she appreciates all the support from people at the score that are going to help to usher her off to this new venture. Viva La Layla. Back with Parkinson Spiegel after this on the score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 